Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, I'm the host and manager of BT Powerhouse, Thomas Bendit. Uh, we're coming to you live on what would have been uh, the Big Ten's opening football weekend. Um, instead, uh, it is, I guess, just another <laughs> weekend of the summer. Um, continuing on as as we try to prepare for what is certainly an unprecedented um, season, assuming it gets off the ground of, of college basketball. Uh, and joining us this morning, we have Kevin Knight, who was on the podcast before uh, earlier this summer, was not a writer on the site, but has since joined us. Uh, Kevin, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. It's uh, just another Labor Day weekend, I guess, without football. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So uh, I, I guess to start out with, um, uh, if, if you want to just reintroduce yourself to the the followers on the podcast, and then um, uh, how have things been going since you, you joined BT Powerhouse a, a couple weeks ago? Uh, not too bad. Um, again, uh, Kevin Knight, and I'm uh, technically a Hillsdale grad, but I grew up a Spartan fan and write for both the only colors, uh, primarily women's basketball, but I write on a lot of other sports over there. And I write about Nebraska basketball or Nebraska ball, for coordination as well and uh happy mm -hmm. to be part of bt powerhouse as well well we're, we're happy to have you and i encourage everyone to check kevin out on twitter and and on the site um he's already put together a, a lot of great stuff including a uh i guess a job ranking um as far as the best jobs in the big 10 so i encourage everyone to check that out part one is posted i'm not sure if part two is posted yet uh as of the time this public podcast is going to be published um but uh everyone check that out uh, over the next couple of weeks but um so two big topics on on the docket today as far as the podcast is concerned first off i want to touch on the the madness that's going on in the big 10 um mainly the football thing but i think it connects to to basketball as well and that's the postponement slash cancellation of the football season and fall sports um, and then uh, also want to touch on we have a new set of power rankings up on the site following the NBA draft deadline. Uh, so we're going to touch on those a little bit. So starting first with the the Big Ten football and, and fall sports cancellation, I don't think I need to uh, <laughs> recap the the timeline. Generally speaking, um, COVID hits the United States uh, really hard uh, starting in March, uh, ends up canceling the NCAA tournament. Um, at that point, everybody is is waiting to hear what's going to happen with college football for the next couple of months. Um, seems like things are are starting to to move towards a football season. The Big Ten announces a uh, revised schedule featuring only conference games. Uh, they're going to have ten football conference games. That's what they announced. They released the games, the, the layout. You know who's playing, who, when, um, and then a couple days later, they decide to pull the plug and quote-unquote postpone the season until the spring. Um, and just for everyone, the reason I'm using quote-unquote is I am extremely skeptical that a spring season is possible uh, for college football. Um, so to me, it's it's a cancellation as it sits today. Um, Kevin, any general thoughts as far as the overall cancellation? Um, we'll get into a little bit of the mess that has followed, but just the overall timeline, um, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I I get why they had to release the schedule when they did. There was just so much pressure. People were leaking the fact that they had the schedule ready. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if they actually could have kept the leaks from happening, that they would have released the schedule when they did, really. I, I think um, mm -hmm. leaks out of certain administrations, uh, uh, you know, 
couple different schools pushing for the season kind of forced their hand on that. But I mean, short of putting an asterisk down at the bottoms, you know, where it says caution, coffee may be hot, you know, caution, <laughs> we may cancel this tomorrow. Short of that, I mean, nobody was going to report on the fact that Warren immediately, you know, in his uh, press conference with BTN or his appearance on on the network, rather. He, he did try to temper expectations a little bit on that. I, I will give him that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like he should have expected that anybody was going to listen to that part or report on that part. <laughs> Nobody wants to read about that. So, um, yeah, I, I can't fault them too much for the schedule part. But I come on, like, how did... <laughs> With all the TV revenue, how do they not have a consulting firm for media or something to, to handle I, this better with the announcement? I, I agree. And to me, and this is why I, I think it connects to college basketball. And starting out with, um, we, we've had posted a, a few things. CBS has been really good on, on top of what might be coming down the pipe as far as college basketball is concerned. And I'm encouraged to see that there seems to be a national sort of consensus where all the leagues are trying to do things together. They're trying to do that. Um, And I think that's important here because the Big Ten has just completely botched this uh, from the start. And and to me, you hit the nail on the head, the schedule. I mean, if you knew you were going to have a big vote from the presidents a couple days later, and I guess that we should note there's a dispute on whether the vote actually happened, um, which is another uh, whole storyline. But if you knew a vote was coming in a couple of days, I don't understand the need to announce this schedule whatsoever. And even if it leaks, it leaks. So what? I mean, it, at least it's not you out there specifically saying, hey, this is our schedule. But by the way, you know, short, fine print at the bottom, this may not happen. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it. And I remember BTN going on and on in that uh announcement they had it it was on a what a Wednesday or a Thursday they had an hour special on BTN releasing the schedule um and Kevin Warren and and BTN just went on and on about all these zoom calls oh my gosh the the time they had to spend to put all this together all these schedules the bye weeks and you know the games can be moved and and rescheduled and then they just pulled the plug uh (laughs) two or three days later and I'm like why didn't you have some zoom calls you know to see if this was actually gonna be feasible um, instead of spending so much time on a schedule that was never going to happen. But um, so I agree. I, I think the, the initial announcement was completely botched. And to me, the biggest, the biggest issue in this whole thing is somebody was left out of the loop. And to me, what I'm my read on this situation, tell me if you agree, but is the athletic folks, the ADs, the coaches, um, maybe some of the, the bigger players, and Kevin Warren, the, the Big Ten folks, they were all on the same sort of wavelength. They knew what was going on. They were discussing. But no one seemed to bring the presidents who actually had the power to decide whether this was going to happen into the fold until the last minute. Because the fact that they, I mean, all the reasons that were cited for why the cancellation was necessary, Kevin Warren, he publishes a letter about, you know, this is why we canceled publicly. They've stated reasons. Really, all of the big reasons were things that were known months ahead of time. I mean, um, we knew the case loads were rising in the United States, what, June, July. Um, we knew a lot of the the risks that they cited um, that this disease or virus, excuse me, was not going to be fully understood by the time college football season started. 
Um, all of this seemed like pretty dated information, yet they still brought all the players back in the summer to practice. They put all these protocols through. Um, it, it seemed like they there was a lot of reasons to believe that the presidents were always going to pull the plug on this thing, and yet uh, no one seemed to get them on board. So I don't know if you agree with that, but um, that that's my read on this situation. Um, for the most part, I do. I, um, I I do have to admit, I have a little bit of a different perspective on okay. just some of the, the uncertainty of everything mm-hmm. in that um, it's by no means a Big Ten school and uh, it's not really much in the way of athletics. But uh, my husband does work in administration here in Washington, D.C. at one of the mm-hmm. universities here. And so I, I kind of had a front row seat, both of us having to work from home all summer of the sure. number of hours that they have to spend in each day. And each week trying to come up with a plan for how to make a school year work under all this in a college mm-hmm. campus. And then, you know, it's every other week there's something new discovered and something changes. And eventually that uh, all DC schools had to move to um, remote learning only. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but it's just, it's the just constant hours and hours and hours of work every single day that just ends up being changed seemingly every other week kind of thing that I, I would be hesitant to criticize them as doing nothing by any means. Like some people seem to to say is, well, why couldn't you figure out how to make it work? Well, it might not have just been able to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and specifically to practice of when it finally came time to move into fall camp and start hitting each other in pads and, and have much more uh, less socially distanced uh, workouts, so to speak. Um, I, I think the the nature of the risk changes fundamentally at that level. Um, it, is it significant enough that we shouldn't have tried? I I don't know, but I mean, you you look at some of the situations like LSU losing all but four of their offensive linemen for two weeks mm-hmm. in quarantine during the height of fall camp, and they're supposed to play a week or two after coming out of quarantine, <laughs> missing what half of fall camp? Like, how mm-hmm. is that healthy for them in the end? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it was botched, but I can't I can't fault them too much. But yes, it could have been handled better. Even so, I I, I think is um how I would I, I would say that I, I'm less harsh than some people, but I by <laughs> no means am am going to sit here and say that they did everything the right way or or were uh you know earn earn their pay so to speak. Yeah, I I, I should note that you know I I think canceling the season I I don't think it's a ridiculous idea i think if if you say like you know we we can't get this off the ground we have concerns etc that that seems like a reasonable conclusion to me i just don't understand um what sort of changed between all the players coming back in july and august and and, you know you highlighted that um you know you have some experience as far as that's concerned where you you have been sort of knees deep in some of that, those changes that maybe the public is not aware of uh, as much on a day-to-day basis. But to me, I don't see any seismic change that really occurred during that period, which to me, it begs the question of like, well, why did, if, if you always knew that, you know, this is probably not going to happen, I don't understand the risk of, of bringing them all back. So the, the timeline concerns me on that front. And then moreover, um, there's been a lot of debate about this, but like, uh, and, you know, we should note some of the Big Ten universities have gone remote. I know Michigan State has. 
I want to say Northwestern has. I'm not sure on that, but I know at least Michigan at least State has. Freshman and sophomore, yeah. Okay, yeah. Michigan State so, is full sorry remote. To talk over you. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure as far as Northwestern was concerned, but um Yeah, Northwestern I know, like, closed all fraternity and sorority housing and uh <laughs> informed freshmen and sophomores. I'm not sure if they came to campus or they Okay. Uh, we're told not to come to campus. I, I'm not sure on the exact timeline, mm-hmm. but freshman and sophomore classes are remote learning, which is an interesting twist because uh, the way I've seen it, usually you try to focus on bringing freshmen in and send upperclassmen yeah. out in order to get sort of the buy-in and uh, it, you know a lot of their initial learning and whatnot to to get mm-hmm. them to stay around for a full four years from an academic perspective. It's, it's an interesting decision on them doing it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. When it's usually most campuses focus on trying to get the freshmen in and telling upperclassmen to stay home. Sure, sure. And I think it's uh, um, so, uh, you know, it's important to note that not all the schools are are doing, you know, the, the same policies. But I know just speaking from from my personal experience, U of M, everybody's come back. It's all in-person learning and at this point. And a lot of, I think almost all the Big Ten teams, the football teams specifically, are still practicing. Um, they might not be doing the the same type of practice that they would if there was a full season going on. They certainly, you know, the camps, I know they don't really do two-a-days anymore, but, um, you know, the intensive uh, practices like that, the the hitting, all that type of stuff. But they are still on campus and they're still practicing, um, which to me is another glaring just uh, piece of hypocrisy here where it's like, um, you know, they, they can't play games, they can't hit, but they can go to all these classes, walk around campus, uh, do this. So it, it it's bizarre the the decisions that, that the presidents are making. Um, and I'll move Kevin Warren into that discussion as well. But uh, this entire thing has just been uh, really bizarre. I think it's been botched. And the big reason I, I bring this all up, it, first off, it's a big topic nationally, but second, I think it gives me a lot of concern as far as um, getting basketball off the ground because um, they, all the coaches, the ADs, they put in a lot of these safety precautions, and and we're talking about routine testing. I know Illinois was doing like daily testing. Um, a lot of the other teams, there were a couple quote unquote outbreaks. Um, I say outbreaks because. Um, we're talking about like a handful of, of people. That doesn't mean it doesn't matter, um, but just to put it in context. But we had a few teams that, that had issues. But for the most part, I know like um, I think Michigan's football team was like a percent or less as far as positive tests are concerned, which is lower than um, the general positivity rate for tests in Michigan in the United States. So like they were beating the the general markers there. But the Big Ten presidents pulled the plug anyway. Um, again, you you can agree with that, you can disagree with it, um, but it it gives me concern that you know the basketball teams might be able to put a lot of protocols into into place, get a lot of things together, but they might pull the plug uh, at the last minute anyway. Um, you share that concern. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as this transitioning into basketball? Uh, well, before we do, I do have to make one one quick comment on football. Mm-hmm. The one thing that could salvage all this mess is <laughs> if they do move forward with some kind of a winter or spring season, Michigan State versus Michigan in the Superior Dome. <laughs> superior I, I want to see it. I want I want it to happen. Let's play the game in the Uper Dome. What difference does it make <laughs> at this point? T- take a bus to Detroit. Take a charter flight to 
to Marquette. I don't, I don't care. Make it happen. Kevin Warren, <laughs> make it happen. There, there's uh, a lot. It, it's going to be so bizarre if this winter or spring season thing actually happens and they have to play in, you know, neutral fields, um, given the fact that, uh, I know at least here in Michigan, um, I don't know if I'd want to be going to watch some outdoor games for weeks on end in January and February. So hopefully they got some some uh, uh, solutions to that. Yeah, it's definitely not happening in uh, Spartan Stadium. I mean, Minnesota is the only one with heating coils in the field. So talk about uh, football on the tundra. That's that's some serious uh, tundra action there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I think um, I think it is concerning for football uh, or I'm sorry, for from football for a basketball perspective. Um, but I think one of the things that helps is the fact that the NCAA actually has, I can't believe I'm saying this, the NCAA actually helps something <laughs> uh, in the sense that unlike football, uh, all the different conferences control the CFP and do their own thing more or less on in every other regard, whereas the NCAA controlling the NCAA tournament has much more influence over what happens with a season. Um, but the, the conversation around uh, out of CBS about November 25th or so being the start date, a lot of campuses, even ones doing in-person classes now, seem to all be moving towards uh, or have already announced earlier in the summer that they'll be moving to remote only to finish the last few weeks after Thanksgiving. And I think mm-hmm. that helps significantly with getting the season started in terms of creating a kind of bubble situation on campus for the basketball players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I remember I, I did a podcast a month or two ago talking about, um, you know, when we were still way out from football season and it's still way out for uh, obviously further for, for basketball, the fact that um, the timing, the Christmas break could be helpful um, for, you know, you could effectively do a bubble. I mean, some of these holiday tournaments, you could almost turn it into a, a bubble-like tournament somewhere. Um, the international travel ones, those might be a little tough. Um, I'm a little skeptical any of those are going to get off the ground this year. But, um, you know, some of the other ones that y- you would think they, they'd they be able to get the short bubble, as you said, because a lot of the schools are basically saying, yeah, once we hit Thanksgiving, just go home, stay home. Um, but uh, you could use that. You could use... Um, maybe some of the spring breaks. Uh, and uh, what do you make of this bubble discussion as far as the NCAA tournament's concerned, as far as college basketball is concerned? Because I, I know there's a lot of people that say, look, it's it's completely ridiculous to suggest that student unpaid athletes should be placed in a bubble. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so I'm actually uh, working on a kind of long form piece on that um, for the only colors that I'm hoping to have out this week. Um, but mm-hmm. kind of as a preview of that, uh, I, I, it's not going to be the NBA bubble. Um, first of all, mm-hmm. the, the NBA spent over $150 million on that, that <laughs> there aren't those kind of resources at the college level. I mean, college football alone doesn't even bring in that kind of revenue at, except for only a handful of schools. They're yeah. not going to have that kind of money to do that, nor should they. Because we're talking about NBA athletes that this is their full-time job. Technically, I mean, it's not really true, but technically, (laughs) college student athletes' full-time job is being a student first and an athlete second. 
that doesn't really work out that way in reality, but that's still technically the model that we have in the real world that we function in right now is that's how it's supposed to work. And the idea that they're all going to go off to hotels in Orlando at Disney World, that there's even enough hotel space for all of them unless you shut down all of Disney World. Um, and they're going to sit there in their hotel room, what, 12, 18 hours of the day, except for practice, get food delivered mm -hmm. to them and wear a bracelet that beeps if they come within six feet of anybody else also wearing a bracelet. That's that's not realistic. And if we want to talk about a mental health perspective, that's not that's that's absurd to try and force that on 18 to 23 year olds. I, mm -hmm. We're not doing that. Um, so what exactly it's going to look like at the college level, I'm not sure. Uh, I think one thing that would probably match that type of description is the idea of basically just taking charter flights in for each game uh, within the, the, take the Big Ten, for example. Um, if everybody moves to remote learning after Thanksgiving in the conference and they move towards having campuses closed down until closer to spring break. I mean, there's no conversation of that, but let's just pretend like they decide to do that. Um, that would be something that essentially sets up a bubble system because again, the NCAA doesn't even allow college athlete only dorms. They're supposed to be mixed in with other students, which creates absolute havoc if they're actually going to enforce that rule. Because how do you create a bubble system if they're in a dorm room with a bunch of other kids who just go out and party over the weekend because they're college kids. And clearly mm -hmm. nobody's paying attention to the social distancing on campuses. We've all seen videos on online and seen outbreaks at places like Alabama and South Carolina and it's not happening. So mm -hmm. um, it, I'm not, I guess I'm, I don't even really understand exactly how an entire season bubble would work in that concept short of something like that of, of, campuses being closed down and just taking a charter flight with little interaction with flight attendants, face masks. Um, you know, there's not a, there's not really a lot of risk if you're taking charter flights, so to speak. It, it's not much different than a charter bus other than you have a, a flight attendant or two, depending on, on capacity on the plane. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I don't think a full season bubble is possible uh, for many of the reasons that you just cited, you know, the financial resources uh, at play, the fact that, again, these are supposed to be student athletes. We all know in reality at the Big Ten and, you know, Power Five level, that's not true, but uh, that's what the NCAA wants us to believe, I guess. Uh, it, it's not possible for that. And you're talking about, again, months and months, even a shortened, compacted season. And I, I think ultimately this goes back to something you hit the nail on the head for um, and why to me, a lot of the stated reasons here for the big 10, as far as football um, and moreover feeding into basketball here uh, to me are concerning as far as getting basketball off the ground is because um, there are a, a lot of limitations and, and really the focus as far as, you know, what's the increase in risk. If this person is just doing what the school asks, for instance, Michigan, um, you know, if you're if you're a football or basketball player at Michigan right now, you're expected to be on campus. You're expected to go to class um, and you're still expected to go to practice, even if it's not contact. <clears throat> you're still expected to do those workouts, go to practice, etc. So the only thing that would be changing here would be the the game itself where you play another team. And there are, is travel associated with that. You would be uh, in close physical proximity to. Um, a team theoretically from another state, 
you know, if you're facing Indiana or Ohio State or or who had you know whoever else in the Big Ten. Um, but the travel, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how a lot of these teams travel. And you hit the nail on the head as far as a lot of them take charter planes. They they're not going and you know going on Delta or uh, United and just sitting in the middle row or or something here. They're they're taking a charter plane. They're taking a bus that's just for them. They're not really interacting with the public. And if you remove the fans there, um, you don't have that as big of a risk to the community as well. Um, when you're dealing with specifically in basketball, we're talking about what 50 people or less uh, between the teams, the trainers, the refs um, versus football is obviously a lot bigger. You're talking about a couple hundred, um, even if you're not including fans. So, um, that to me is encouraging, but it's also discouraging because the Big Ten uh, just pulled the plug on on that uh, as far as football is concerned. But um, the NCAA, the fact that there's an overall approach here, or at least that that's how it seems that the NCAA is trying to to do things as a united front. Um, I think that that's really encouraging, um, and I, I think at this point it, it's kind of keep the the fingers crossed. And it it sounds like there have been some advances in testing. Um, I know there's a one test. There's a lot of articles about it's a 15 minute um, test uh, with saliva based where you can get results, which I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but I I would think that would make it pretty feasible uh, to have a season. If you have that, Um, you could do it before practice, before um, games and and everybody could feel pretty comfortable about playing. Um, Is that something that that you think could be a game changer as far as this is concerned? Yeah, everything I've seen on it uh, kind of makes clear that one of the biggest hangups was testing because uh, the more accurate, um, I'm going to butcher the scientific wording here, but I'll try it anyways, the, the polymer-based testing that they do um, with the nasal swabs and whatnot, it, it just takes too long. I mean, yeah. you, you look at uh, when Michigan State had their football team have to quarantine, the the test that ended up setting that off was on a Saturday and they didn't get results back until like a Tuesday or no, it mm-hmm. was a Wednesday even. And just the turnaround time on that is just too much. And so mm-hmm. with these new saliva antigen based testings, um, it may, I, I think there's a risk of there being a little bit more of a false positive risk. Uh, I may be misspeaking on that again. I'm a, I, I got my BA in politics. I'm not a, not a biologist <laughs> or virologist or and anything like that. Um, but uh, the loose knowledge that I have on it is just the simple fact of having the quick turnaround um, gets you the ability to more safely quarantine people before they become uh, in, infected to a level of being a spreader. And doing mm-hmm. that cuts way, way down on the risk of it. And the... Um, I think it's like Amber or something is the other company that just got FDA approval a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. the scale of their production is what's the biggest factor uh, because some of the antigen tests have actually been around since spring, but we haven't really heard much about the scale of it. Unlike mm-hmm. this one that was just approved, the company's guaranteeing that they'll have over 150 million units, I believe per month. Uh, I, I want to say, um, yeah, and maybe a, a, something along those lines. They'll have 150 million produced by October. I mean, this, the scale of that is the big factor. Having the quick turnaround time with the ability to conduct wide scale testing is going to to be a big factor in helping get this and even football for that matter. If they do move forward with yeah. 
uh, even a late fall start, uh, that that's going to be, I think, the biggest factor in them being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the big key where like a lot of those concerns just get removed if if you have the testing and you can get the results instantly. Um, and not to repeat what we've already talked about, um, the the decision making process, the fact that it it seems like a lot of people were out of the loop at numerous uh, times. Um, you know, the ADs didn't know if the, a vote happened. Nebraska players are suing because they weren't really told about what the reasons were. Um, there was a lot of communications issues, uh, excuse me, communication issues from the top to the bottom. You know, that's including the presidents, the ADs, uh, the coaches, um, Kevin Warren. Um, so I'm hopeful that a lot of those issues are going to be fixed this time around because they've been so just shredded in the media <laughs> since this has happened. So I'm optimistic about that. Um, before we move on uh, to the power rankings real quick, um, I, I hesitate to bring this up, but obviously there's been a report that, well, it's not a report. I think both sides have confirmed it at this point, uh, that Kevin Warren and, and Donald Trump, uh, the president, spoke earlier this week uh, about getting, I guess, testing resources, anything like that, uh, do you buy into this at all? You think this is is going to lead to anything, or do you think this is just more of a, um, I guess, a news story, a political stunt that that isn't really going to change much? And feel free I mean, to say no comment. <laughs> um, I yeah, I mean, I, I'll make a brief comment. I mean, he it was inevitable with the fact that um, the Big Ten is full of a bunch of swing states, and it's a presidential election cycle, and this is a huge political football. It was inevitable that uh, something was going to happen in terms of, um, you know, the, President Trump reaching out to the Big Ten. I don't think that realistically they can really do that. I mean, the the government stockpile is going to be focused on helping at-risk uh, individuals, such as nursing homes in particular, uh, yeah. as it should be the focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was um, a good campaign tactic. And I think that's pretty much what it is. And it's not really going to have any influence on what the Big Ten does or doesn't do. They're, they have the resources to secure their own testing, and they don't need the federal government to, to come in and uh, pretend like they're going to provide some secret stockpile that's going to go to the <laughs> people who actually need it. So um, good campaign move. That, that's all it was. I, I agree. I don't think there's anything coming out of this. I, I think it was a political move. And Kevin Warren's purported comments about you know we're working as hard as we can to get football off the ground as soon as possible just seems like a a classic pr statement i don't think it really means anything um until i see the presidents get on board with any sort of change i don't believe football's coming back same with basketball we need to we need to hear from the presidents because they're the ones with the the power to make decisions so um we'll see uh stay tuned on that um but moving on to uh uh, our power rankings. Uh, I posted a new set of, of power rankings um, late last week, I think, or maybe earlier this week. I lose track of time here in the in the quarantine. Um, just to go through a couple, I'm not going to repeat all of it. Uh, you can go to uh, btpowerhouse.com and check them out. Um, I had Iowa first, Wisconsin second, Illinois third, um, a mix uh, of teams from there on out. Um, Kevin, any reactions to it? Do you disagree with, with any of my rankings? Um, any other thoughts? Um, I mean, I don't really have any firm reason to disagree with, with <laughs> Iowa at number one, other than I just don't think that they're ever 
a good enough defensive team to actually win a Big Ten title is, is a problem. So it's it's not like I can really make an argument for why they shouldn't be number one with the amount of offensive talent that they have returning. Uh, Jordan Bohannon coming back healthy, supposedly. Um, Luca Garza returning. Clearly, they're going to be top dog going into the season. I just don't see them emerging at the end at number one. That they'll be probably top four easily with with the talent that they have. But unless they suddenly figure out how to play defense, yeah, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I will say that um, that's the big concern. Obviously, Iowa had what the the third. Um, let me just pull up Ken Palm real quick. I should have had this ready, but I think they were third in offensive efficiency last year. Um, excuse me. They were fifth uh, in offensive efficiency last season, 97th in defense. So certainly if if you have any hope of, of winning a conference as good as the Big Ten, of going to the Final Four, uh, things of that nature, that defense is going to have to be substantially better. Um, my hope is... Uh, that getting a little more experience, a little more depth. Um, I think Wieskamp could could offer something there on the defensive end if if he can trend up a little bit there. Um, but the offense is just going to be uh, so loaded, so loaded that I I think they're going to be really tough to to beat. You mentioned Bohannon and Garza; those are two. I mean, those they have to be top ten in terms of offensive play only um, in the Big Ten next season. So I mean that that's a huge group right there. Um, and then you add in again. Wieskamp, um, McCaffrey, there, there's a lot of other pieces to go along with it. So I put them at number one. That's clearly the Achilles heel that they got to overcome is the defense. Um, if they can, they have a chance to be really special. Um, and then Wisconsin, I feel like they're not, they're not a very sexy pick there because they don't really have any of like that high end top tier talent. There aren't a lot of new pieces coming or anything, but I mean, I mean, it's it's basically the same team that won the Big Ten last season, so I, I felt pretty good about them at two. Um, but uh, well, let me ask you this: so I, I had Michigan State at four. I know you're you're generally a Spartan guy. Um, you think that's fair? You think they should have been higher, lower? Any thoughts on that? I mean, if Xavier Tillman had come back, they hands down would be higher. But mm-hmm. losing Tillman and losing Winston. I, I can't fault them being back at number four. They have so much talent at so many other positions, even before the 2021 class arrives on campus. Um, but yeah, I mean, you lose Winston, you're going to take a step back period that there's mm-hmm. a, a once in a generation guard like him. It, you can't replace him and expect to have the same kind of type of success that you've had winning uh th- what three straight big 10 conference titles. So now I, I'm not going to fault them at number four, um, Wisconsin at number two. I, I hate their basketball style so much. It's <laughs> almost as bad as Virginia. I want to gouge my eyes out watching them, but now, I mean, th- that's a solid pick at number two. Um, I, again, maybe with their defensive uh, talent advantage over Iowa, maybe I might've put them at number one, um, which I hate the idea of that, but, um, and Illinois at number three was definitely a good pick, uh, with, with, uh, the Sunmu and Cockburn coming back. That was a huge coup for them. Um, I might have flipped Rutgers and Michigan though, actually, okay. that would probably be my hot take on that is, um, yeah, with, with Michigan losing their, their starting point guard, obviously it's, it's uh, big shoes to fill as well. Um, but you know, uh, well, we'll see. Um, 
but I'm, I am excited for Rutgers actually. I think uh, with, with who they have returning, they're going to snap their NCAA streak, which was a travesty for them that March madness didn't at least yeah. release. Why couldn't we get the bracket? Why not? I we mean, could just say, Hey, you made the <laughs> tournament and congratulations and put an asterisk next to it instead of an asterisk of, well, they would have made the tournament. C- couldn't we just confirm it and then just say, <laughs> but obviously it didn't happen. So See, oh. I, I was okay with that solely because like we didn't actually conclude it. We didn't get the conference tournaments and Rutgers would have made it regardless. Even if they lost their opener uh, against Michigan in the big 10 tournament, they would have made it. Uh, they had done enough work, but I, I actually agree with the NCAA on this one where I think you have to have all the games in the bag to say this would have been the field because um, some teams would have moved in and out uh, for sure. I, I at least would think so um, if you had the, the full results. So I'm okay with it. But yeah, that that was really rough for Rutgers. I, I do feel bad for Scarlet Knight fans uh, not getting to experience that. Um, and two things I, I just wanted to touch on that you had mentioned, Michigan State. Um the one, the one thing is if I'm trying to spin this positively, obviously losing Winston, Tillman, really big blows. Both those guys were were great players, all Big Ten caliber guys. Winston, a, a former Big Ten player of the year. Um, you can't replace guys like that. The one thing I would note, though, is um, if there was a player that was really reliant on Winston's game at Michigan State, it was Tillman. So at least you don't have to worry about, you know, like how's Tillman going to perform offensively without Winston. Um, So it'll be sort of a a new group. Um, I do think they're going to take a step back from where they've been the last couple of years, but you mentioned that they got a lot of talent. Um, Hauser, the transfer, I I think is the big guy to watch. He'll be really interesting. Um, And then Michigan, another team that they're losing a lot. Uh, Simpson and Teske, both guys are gone. They've had a bunch of transfers, uh, which isn't shocking given the fact that they had a coaching transition last year. Um, really like the wing group of, of Livers and Wagner. Um, and the big question for Michigan is going to be, how does this recruiting class they got coming in perform? Uh, Hunter Dickinson, big time prospect up front. He's going to have to play a lot of minutes. They got a couple transfers. Um, so they're, they're going to be a, a, a work in progress uh, from the start. Um, Rutgers, I could see Rutgers finishing above Michigan. I could see them finishing, um, above a couple of the teams above them because they've just, they've been really consistent on a night in night out basis, got a lot of the same pieces. Um, so you would expect us some consistency. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see, see them there. Uh, one, two other teams I just wanted to touch on very briefly before we, we call it a day here. Uh, Maryland, I have at ninth, Indiana, I have at 10th. Both of these teams, I, I think, are big question marks. Any thoughts on those two? Yeah, um, I I need to remind myself who all Maryland lost because I know it's <laughs> a lot of their key talent. Um, but, man, just initial reaction on that is just ninth? Wow, they really took a tumble on that. Um, I, I If I remember right, the bench is kind of bare after who they lost. And, and I know that... Um, they had a set of twins transfer out after the first mm-hmm. semester. That was a huge blow to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, that'll be an interesting world seeing seeing Maryland all the way back if, if that comes to fruition. Um, curious if maybe with all the transfers out of Purdue, which was uh, a strange situation for them, um, I, I think maybe I might bump Purdue back a little bit more if, if I stop and, and think about who all they lost. For the mm-hmm. Boilermakers, maybe move Ohio State and, and Maryland ahead of them. Um, but yeah, uh, 
they they lost a lot. Indiana, though, at number 10, that's more than fair. They had a clunker of a season last year, and I, I don't really see that getting much better. Yeah, Maryland, I, I think losing Cohen in the backcourt is is really just a, a big loss, and it's going to be really tough to overcome. That's why I have them back, um, and, and they've been kind of up and down under Turgeon um, versus like Purdue. You kind of know what to expect out of Painter. I know they were underwhelming last year, but if you look at their advanced stats, they were a lot better of a team than where they finished in terms of overall record. So I'm expecting a jump there. But um, but with that, uh, I am going to call it a day. Again, Kevin, thanks for joining us, everybody. I encourage you to check out the Power Rankings, check out Kevin's Coach Rankings, um, uh, and uh, follow BT Powerhouse on the various social media sites. And we'll see you all next time.